Our Father, I thank you for all of us. I thank you for yet another beautiful opportunity for us to be in your presence this morning. Father, you have gathered us because you want to do something with us. You have gathered us because you want to send help into our lives. And that is why you have brought us. Lord, I'm asking that you speak to all of us. All of us need that which you want to do in our lives today. Lord, that you will accomplish your purpose. Lord, I'm only a mere instrument. I am also in need of your own help and your grace. Father, as your children, we look up to you. That we will know somehow, somehow that you have helped us today. Thank, send your spirit unto us. Ignite our hearts with your fire. That as we leave this place, King of Glory, we'll be armed with that which we need in the area of our relationships. Because that is how we are going to affect lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray. I thank God very much for this beautiful Sunday morning. God has brought us into his presence to speak to all of us on a matter that I think he has been speaking about all through the year, even up to now. This morning we are looking at the topic that says interpersonal relationships. Interpersonal relationships, that is what we are talking about this morning. And interpersonal normally has to do with anything that goes beyond, beyond me, from outside of me. When it is intra, it is within. But once you hear inter, it means between. So it could be between two people, between one person and a group, between um, groups of people, so long as there's more than one person involved in that relationship. And then I was looking at the word relationship like I always do because I, I, I don't like to assume. I saw that it means the way in which two or more people or groups or even countries talk to, behave toward, and deal with each other. So the things to know there is the way I talk to anybody. And of course, if I'm talking to myself to an extent, you know that there's something wrong. So it's not usual for me to be talking to myself. It is usual for me to talk to other people. So the way I talk to anybody generally is the matter here. Another thing is the way I behave towards another. The way I behave towards other people, that is another issue and has to do with relationship. And then the way I deal with people, the way I deal with another person, these are the issues at stake as far as relationship is concerned. And so, interrelationship, interpersonal relationship together will now mean close association or even acquaintance. No, close association is close. Acquaintance may not be as close in the degree of closeness between two people or more. And it could also be a social organization, family, kingship, friendship, marriage, work, business, neighborhood, even here in the church, wherever. That is um, the, the interpersonal relationship. And then interpersonal, like we said before, is the nature of that interaction. So as I relate with you, what is the nature of that inter interaction? Praise the Lord. So we're looking at interaction. What are the kinds of um, situations that present themselves to us as we interact? There could be peer relationship. My classmates, my friends, political associates, class colleagues, all of those with peer relationship. There's also platonic. This is casual. All of us have friends that we have just platonic relationship, which is something that is just casual, not very close and not very intimate. And then we have family relationships. Members of a family could be nuclear. It could be extended spouse. This is also known as biological relationship. 
this code include every form of relationship. In, in Africa, we have plenty. Extended. Mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, cousins, the ones we can't even explain, all make up our family kingship or family relationships. Amen. And then there's also the fourth one, which has to do with the relationship between man and God. This is the fourth one. The first I mentioned is peer. The second is platonic. The third is family. And then the fourth is family and relationship between man and God. We're all gathered here this morning because we have a relationship with God. That is why we're all here this morning. And so there will be a few others. The relationship between males, females, all kinds of relationships. I don't really want to dwell a lot on that because I know that we know what relationships are. Now, why is relationship important to us? When our relationships thrive, we are happy. Of course, if you quarrel with any member of your family this morning and you're here, you won't be happy. That person will also not be happy. So there is joy. There is peace around because our relationships are wholesome. Because our relationships are thriving. And so I want to take us back to our main text very briefly before we look at something else. We looked at Matthew for our main text. Matthew 5. Uh, we've read it already, but I want to just say a few things there from, um, from the Message Bible. It says, When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out your true self, your God-created self. This is what God does. He gives his best. And then down it says, If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? If all you do is love those that love you, the Bible is asking this morning, do you expect a bonus? Because I love my mother, people should gather and clap for me. Because I love my husband, I should be clapped for. I love my wife for my children, people should give me a bonus. That's what the Bible is asking you this morning. Anybody, it says, if you, all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Because you're greeting your friends. You're expecting a medal. And he says here, any run-of-the-mill sinner can do that. Anybody at all can greet anybody. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. There is a God-created identity for you who is born again. And that is what God is expecting you to live out. And that God-created identity is not the ordinary life. And that's why we're studying kingdom lifestyle this year. It's, it's not the ordinary life. It says that you are a kingdom subject and that you should live out your God-created identity. Praise the Lord. So if I love my enemy, what, that's, that's what is the exception. If I love my friends, there is nothing. But when I begin to love my enemy, then there is something. That is when I can begin to expect a medal. Why do I say that? Because... From where we just read in verse 44, we see that an attribute of God, an attribute of this our Father is love. Love towards all mankind. And we know that God does not segregate. This rain that fell now, sinners, the righteous, everyone alike would partake of it. If, we, if you haven't had water in your area and you bring out your bucket and leave there, water will pour into your bucket whether you're a sinner or a righteous person. Is that correct? That is because that is the way God deals with us. He doesn't discriminate. And so he's telling us to love our enemies. God is magnanimous. He is kind. He is compassionate. Those are his qualities that you and I tap from. Those are the things we begin to press 
when we want to say, God, do something for me, I begin to remind him that he's very compassionate and very loving. And so I begin to have an expectation in my heart that God should do this for me. It is that same expectation that God is expecting also to flow from my inside towards other people. Because this is what my father is doing. And ideally, I should be doing what my father is doing. Okay? Praise the Lord. So, we're going to see the expectation of God. Be ye therefore perfect. That's part of what we read. Even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Sometimes we look at things like this and it becomes a major challenge. Am I really supposed to be perfect? Is it really possible for me to be perfect? There is something that has begun to help my own Christian life. When I see those things in the Bible, I don't begin to excuse them. I don't begin to attempt that God was saying them to some people. I begin to say that this word is for me directly. God is saying this one to me. Every word of God that he has put there, I want us to come to a point of understanding that those words, God means them through and through. I think the reason we are like this is because we do not believe what God says. We tend to think that some things are just there for some people. But if God says, be ye perfect, he, he, was, he knew what he was saying when he said. He was conscious of what he was saying. And so I cannot put it aside. Praise the Lord. If I'm to be like God, what would help me? There are many scriptures and we're going to look at them this morning. And then examine the nature of a relationship as we are sitting here now. Some of our relationships are characterized by quarrels, anger, jealousy, envy, unforgiveness, rudeness. Many of us are very rude. We are harsh. We are unpleasant. You just, you're just an unpleasant person. You're just unpleasant. There's a lack of cheer around you. The cheer is spelled C-H-E-E-R. That is cheer. You're just not pleasant. There's an absolute lack of cheer in your life. Your life is very cheerless. There is greed. We lie and we are unhappy. I think it was two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, that God's word came forth in this sanctuary about this matter of, of unforgiveness, of grudge, of I think it was here. And I was sitting there and I was saying, God, please help us. But if you ask me, what is the simple reason? What is it that accounts? For this attitude in us, in spite of the fact that many of us will say we are born again. Very simple, flesh. You will say she has come again with the matter of the flesh. Because that is the truth. It is the matter of Mr. Flesh. It is the matter of my, my Adamic nature that I have refused to allow to be divorced and separated from me. Even though I am born again, that is responsible for the manifestations of those things. Because the life of Christ does not have any of those. So, I don't even like to excuse myself. When I see any of this is manifesting, I just say this is flesh. In my house, the word self and flesh are said all the time. What we, and that thing is flesh. It's flesh. It's, it's self. Because unless I call it what it is, I cannot even begin to realize that I have a problem. I can't go to a doctor and ask him what's going to happen to me when I'm having a headache. Unless I accept that I have a headache. I have a headache. What do I do? So unless I agree that Mr. Self is at the bottom of the issues that we're still having as Christians that are adversely affecting our interpersonal relationships, we cannot hope to make any progress. It's Mr. Flesh that gets angry. It's Mr. Flesh that gossips. It's Mr. Flesh that will sit down and pray and pray that only good things will be happening to me and never to anybody else, Mr. Flesh. 
We don't have time to study Mr. Flesh this morning. But just know, if you're manifesting anything that is contrary to the word of God, because don't excuse yourself. Begin to look for solution. Mr. Self is domiciled right in the center of your heart. And he's selfish, inherent selfishness. That is Mr. Flesh for you. And that is where the core, um, the core issue is. Do you know, my brethren, that as I'm sitting down here now, I can decide to be angry or not to be angry. And that is the truth. I have come to realize it. If you say anything to me, I am the one that will decide I'm going to be angry. Or that I'm not going to be angry. The Bible already makes us to understand that offenses would come. So I'm not expecting to live in a world that is devoid of offenses. As a matter of fact, if there is anywhere where offenses will come the most, it is in the matter of close uh, interpersonal relationships. That's where it would come. Ibo people say that no nyanogi is okay now and we see Asia. Is it not true? It is that person that is most likely going to annoy or irritate you. So already my mind is being made up that somebody is going to annoy me. The issue is what to be my reaction to that, to that annoyance. The word decide here, I said I can decide to take offense at what you did or even what you did not do. What you did or what you did not do cannot be sources of offense, but it's a decision that I have to make. It's a choice. I can decide to be upset or not. Why do I say that? First Corinthians 6, 7. First Corinthians 6, 7 in NIV says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? And verse 8 says, instead, you yourself cheat and do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and sisters. You know, St. Paul was addressing a very complicated matter here. We didn't really know what it was that caused that matter. But the matter was so serious that brethren hired lawyers and paid them and went to court. Similar to what is happening in our generation today. We are seeing the same thing. And Paul began to say, ah. In fact, if you read down in that place, he says, Is there no sane person amongst you that can handle this case? That you're going before people who don't believe in God to begin to bring judgment to you. I want to read it to us in message. Please listen attentively. Paul is speaking in the same first Corinthians 7. And he says, I say this as bluntly as I can to wake you up to the stupidity of what you are doing. It is, is it possible that there isn't one level-headed person among you who can make fair decisions when disagreements and disputes come up? I don't believe it. And then at the bottom, he says, wouldn't it be far better to just take it, to let yourself be wronged and forget it? All you're doing is providing fuel that is petrol, for more wrong, more injustice, bringing more hurt to the people of your own spiritual family. Don't you realize that this is not the way to live? That is scripture. Why don't you just take it? What, you know, when I, kept, when I saw the scripture the first time, the Bible, I said, hey, there's nothing you're not finding in this Bible if you start reading it. Though. Honestly, there's nothing. The Bible says, wouldn't you rather be wronged? Wouldn't you rather be cheated? So when somebody cheats me now, and I say, look, I won't have this. I am not going to allow you to cheat me. That means my answer to this question the Bible is asking me is, no. Ijoma, wouldn't you rather be cheated? Lord Jesus, no, 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 no. That's the truth. I don't like beating about the bush. That is what it is. Wouldn't you rather be wronged? No, no, sir. No, I shouldn't be wronged. Why? Why are they trampling on my rights? I have rights. Praise the Lord. Does that make sense to us? That's what it is. 
there's no other way of putting it. Let's not deceive ourselves. Let's not paint issues. My simple response, anytime I refuse to allow that hurt, that cheating, that wrongdoing to rest on me is that I'm rising up to say, no, Father, I can't accept this. I, I, I'm not going to agree. And once I tell God, I won't say, what does he do? He steps aside. So I can sort it out my own way. And we are wondering why our lives are like this. That's why our lives are like that. Praise the Lord. And this case Paul was talking about, too, that he was rebuking them like that. Our own cases have not read that, too. It's not like that. Nobody has probably done some of the things that happened there. In fact, the many, many simple things for which we quarrel about, they are very small things. Though. Sometimes you look at marriage counselors and they will tell you the issues that are bringing people who had claimed so much love a few months ago. Very simple thing. Very simple. That nobody will agree for the other person to just let the matter go. In fact, in, um, in, in the message I read, he said, why don't you just take it? Why don't you just take it? Why won't I just take it and let it go and just forget the matter? In my relationship with other people, why won't, I, why, won't I, why won't it be me who has seen this truth in the Bible who resolved to agree to let go? Could it be I, could it be that it's simply because I refuse to forbear? You know, a few weeks ago again, our brother, Dr. Ibuka, was talking about forbearing. Do you remember? Great message. We went home from church that day sober. All of us in my home, very sober. And anything you do, let us say, forbear. Anything you do, forbear. Uh, forbear with me now. I will deliberately do so and I'm begging you to forbear. But then there was no other option. I want to encourage you also, please go back and buy that tape. We all need that tape. We all need to keep listening to that tape. To forbear with one another. Because the moment I'm ready to forbear. Honestly, the thing kept all of us in check. Oh, because don't ask me how it is. Now, whether we have forgotten. Don't ask me. I would not like to answer it. Praise the Lord. The truth is that we need to arm ourselves with the knowledge of what the Bible says. In Matthew 18 verse 7. Matthew and the word says, What to the world because of offenses? For it must, it must needs be that offenses would come. We have talked about that. Definitely offenses will come. So why would I get so angry with my husband, with my wife, with my child, with my parents, with my brother or sister, that I will not talk to them for weeks, for months, for years, because of something they did or something they did not do. And I call myself a Christian and I'm able to kneel down and pray. And when they tell us in this church and to recite um, um, our Father's prayer, I will now say I will have the mouth and the effrontery and the audacity and the boldness to begin to say, forgive me my sins. As I forgive, God is very merciful. Because as I'm saying it, I could just fall down there and die. Because I'm lying in the house of God. How can I be asking him to forgive me my sin as I have forgiven those that offended me when in my diary or books, those that are there, Lord have mercy on us. If you begin to open the diary of those that have wronged you in one way or the other. Our interpersonal relationships receive a boost, a great boost, when I resolve to take no offense but to forbear, like we all said already. Is this possible? Yes. How do I know that? Because First Corinthians 13 actually says it. I've shared with us here before how um, when we were in primary school, we were told 
to recite um, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to the end. It was mandatory. Every morning at the morning assembly, all of us knew it. We could parrot it. We could shout it. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to end. The more excellent way, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and we're doing that, and we're doing that, and we're reciting it. We knew it from the beginning to the end. I knew it. I passed out of primary school. I went into secondary school. I don't know what happened. I wasn't born again, but I knew how to keep malice. Don't think I'm standing here to begin to tell you that I'm um, so much better. I knew how to keep malice. And let me tell you when I look back and see what the devil can do with us. If I quarrel with this, my brother, now, I will stop talking to him. And if you ask me why I'm not talking to him, I will justify it. Eh, since I'm always causing him to be angry, is it not better I leave him alone? Let me leave him alone, no. I shouldn't just be making somebody angry. Six months down the road, I'm not even behaving as if this person is still existing. I delete him from my mind. And then if you ask me, but what was it that caused the quarrel? I will say, it's okay, it's okay. That is how terrible the devil can be. What caused the trouble? I don't remember. But as far as I know, he's my enemy and I'm not talking to him. So when I began to understand just how much the enemy wants to finish us with these issues, and I became born again, I resolved, if Omalis, I would, I would delete it from my life. If you, are, if you and I have an issue now, and you decide me like this, you will see me, you will not talk to me, you are wasting your time. I will come to where you are. I will greet you. If you haven't heard, I will touch you. If you pretend not, I will stand there until I greet you and until you answer. You look the other way. You're lying. I'm coming back again. I will pester you with greeting. As far as I'm concerned, it's not possible that I'm going to keep malice with anybody. I won't even allow you to keep the malice with me. By the time I disturb you with my greeting, because I won't let you rest. That is how far I want to run from that matter of not talking to anybody. Praise the Lord. So back to First Corinthians 13. We see that, you know, I always, we teach and we give assignment. Please go back and read it. Read it in diverse translations and see what God, the life that God is calling us to. That's why it's called the more excellent way. We don't have time to read all of it. But we do need to study it. The truth need to enter into our hearts in order for us to make progress. Verses 1 to 3 of 1 Corinthians emphasize that whatever I do in this world, if I don't have love, that I've actually gained nothing. I don't know how many of us will do so much good that I'll take them to carry me like this and go and burn me in the fire. I don't know how many of us have faith that has been able to move a mountain physically to anywhere. And the Bible says, even if you're able to do all that, but there is no love that you gain nothing. It's all emptiness. Praise the Lord. From verse 4, it begins to say, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrong. Because I didn't say it though. It's the Bible that said it. That love does not keep any record of wrong. Any record. The word is careful. The Bible is careful to use the word any. That means what you did to me this morning. By evening, I must find a way of pushing it away. Otherwise, I'll be keeping a record of wrong. And I'll be offending God. Actually, that's what it means. So. And it is not easily angered. Are you easily angered? Do you have a tendency to fly off the handle? At the least provocation. Nezegi, somebody we used to know many years ago. Used to say in a particular place that... So anytime anybody sees her, you're running 
And my children came back and said, ah, mommy, what is kitekpa? And I was trying to remember what kitekpa means. More, small pugs called, I don't know. But she was not missing words. And actually, in that setup, if you are in because if you cross her path. Is that our own testimony? That as they see us, <sighs> how will I handle this matter? How will I handle this one now? It shouldn't be so. Praise the Lord. Love is patient. You see this first Corinthians. You know I started telling you the story of how I knew it in primary school. Because some years back, I'm sure I've shared this from this pulpit before. I had a problem. I had an issue with someone who is very, very close to me. A very serious problem. And I went to one of our uncles in the door. I said, Uncle, I don't know what else to do. And he said, Ah, it's very simple. Go home. Do you know First Corinthians 13? I said, Yes, sir. I knew it from primary school. He said, Go and read it and apply it. I said, Ah, ah. You mean the solution to my problem has been here all this time? So I went home and I brought the Bible. I started reading First Corinthians. By the time I got to verse 3, I closed the Bible and I put it away. I could not continue. I could not continue because the person had done so much to me. My heart was so bitter that you're now telling me that it is patient, eh, that I should be kind, that I, I should not be easily angered when my everywhere is already angry, that I should keep no record of wrong. Where will I start to remove the wrong? There are plenty. Praise the Lord. You think God was joking when he said 70 times 7 in one day, not in a month. But when I realized that I actually didn't have any, any, any way of getting about it, I brought the thing and started reading again. And I now realize that there is a difference between memorizing something and shouting it at morning assembly and reading it to apply it and to make it your life. Praise the Lord. If you read it from another version, it calls it charity. And it says, charity suffers long. So in my relationship with other people, I must be ready to suffer for how long? Long. I must be ready to suffer how? Long. In my relationship with my husband, am I ready to suffer long? You know the word suffer now. You know we, we just like this man that we know God suffer. We don't want suffering, no. And the Bible is saying love suffers long. With your wife, love suffers long. With our children, love suffers long. And he said it does not seek its own and it is not easily angered. I'm going to leave all of that because we don't have a lot of time. I, but I want us to know the word, beareth all things. That is from King James, the same law, beareth all things. That means if you have the, the picture of somebody bearing a burden and you put any load you're putting here, as far as the relationship is concerned, keep piling it here. I must bear it. It says, bears all things. So as far as my relationship with other people is concerned, and this one also says, endureth all things. And I want us to know those words, bear and endure. And I'm going to. It's repeated in the same verse. And I think God repeated it in verse 7 of that verse, um, Corinthians 13, for emphasis. So you would know that this thing I'm saying, I mean it. I mean it and I mean it. Praise the Lord. In verse 7, it says, love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. So in my relationship with people, with my friends, with my family, I'm seeking to protect. Imagine that a man is seeking to protect his wife because he loves her. And the wife is in turn seeking to protect her husband because of love. Okay, what, what, what would be the matter? There will be no matter now. Each person is seeking to do something for the other. You're seeking to trust. You're seeking to hope in the goodness of that person and all that and all that. And in verse 8 it says, love never fails. And why would love not fail? Because in Romans 13, 8, love say, um, the word says, Oh, no man anything. You know that scripture. 
except to love one another. For he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. So the only thing I actually owe any human being I'm relating with is what? Love. That's what I owe you. Now, if you ask me, how many of us actually love other people? And that's the problem. My colleagues in the office who are so nasty to me, can I really love them? But I'm saying that we don't have a choice in doing that. And the NIV puts us in greater trouble. It says we should owe no man anything except the continuing debt. In, in, um, in English, continuing is a present continuous. So it's a continuing thing. So I, I love you now. Love you in the afternoon. Love you in the evening. Love you tomorrow. Love you when you do anything to me. And message calls it the huge depth. The huge depth of love is what I owe other people. Praise the Lord. And unless I'm ready to do that, actually, Philippians 2 and 3 cannot work in our life. And what does Philippians 2 say? It says, um, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each person esteem the other better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. I wish we could read this from, from message. It is really something that we need to pay attention to. You know, this is a scripture that I've been begging God to give me deep, deep understanding into. That I should esteem the other person better than myself. I was looking at it in diverse translations and I was seeing what the Bible was saying. They were not um, changing the thing. That is what God means. That I should, some say, I should consider others to be of more significance than myself. I should consider others to be more important than myself. And this is a generation that tells us to have self-esteem. To look at myself. To enthrone me. This is a generation that enthrones self. I remember we always call it me, myself, and I. That is the slogan of this generation. And God is saying the other person first. I think it's a matter for prayer. That we have to go back and begin to beg God that it will work. In Proverbs 3.27, the Bible says, We told not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thy hand to do so. So whatever good I can do to another person, Bible says, I must not withhold it. it. It does not matter whether I think the person deserves it or not. You know, many times we say the person does not deserve. I would have done this, but you don't deserve. When, when stuff like that begins to come to my heart, I begin to wonder if I deserve the things that God does. And once the answer is no, I, I, I begin to get fidgety. Once I realize that I don't deserve anything God does for me, then what qualifies me to begin to ask whether somebody deserves what I'm going to do for them or not? No qualification, absolutely none. Praise the Lord. Imagine how our relationships will flourish as I go about doing all the good that I can to other people. God is counting on you. God is counting on me. And as we do those things, actually misunderstandings will reduce. I said it before, that many, many issues we have in close relationships because of misunderstanding. Now, what does the word misunderstanding mean? Simple. I missed the understanding of what you said. You said something to me. I missed the understanding. I failed to understand. That's what it means now. It doesn't mean anything else. So why, what should be the solution? I can ask you to please explain. I can ask you please, that thing you said to me, did you really mean it? When you called me an idiot, did you really mean that I'm an idiot? Please tell me if I'm an idiot, I will know. Or did I misunderstand you? You know, there is this thing that goes about on, on social media. You know, when you write the word six like this, the letter six, I beg your pardon. If I'm standing here, my brother is going to, be, I'm going to be seeing six, but my brother is going to be seeing nine. Have you seen that thing on social media? It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. 
what you taught me is perspective. The angle from which I see something is going to be different from the angle from which you see it, for goodness sake. I'm a teacher and I tell my students, they like to copy. If you copy, I will know. I will know because no two human beings can write the same thing. They don't think alike. It's not, impos- it's not possible. If I ask you to write an essay on this table, it's the same table. This thing, you will write different, you will write different essays. That's just it. You see, the angle from which that brother is seeing this table is the angle from which she's, and it's the same table. Is it not true? I pray that God will give us understanding into this matter. So once I understand that your perspective is different, I can strive to understand the angle from which you're coming. And unless we are ready to do it, the enemy will keep cheating us. I will tell you a story that happened one time. I had an issue with a, a cousin of mine. And we both came to fellowship, not happy with each other. And she doesn't have a car. And I'm the one that introduced her to that fellowship. And after the fellowship, I said, hey, but we have, this was many years ago as a baby Christian. But eh, we, are now, we now came for um, fellowship now. And um, coming from the house of God, we shouldn't be quarreling anymore. So I'm going to go and meet her so that we go home together. I'm not going to allow that um, problem to persist. Do you know that people that were trying to greet me, I was not listening. I was just saying bye-bye, bye-bye. I was running out because I looked. I didn't see her in the room. So I ran out outside and I didn't see her in the car park. I jumped into the car, drove to the gate and I didn't see her. I said, hey. So this matter has gotten to the one that even when both of us heard the word of God, she's still ready to fight. God, oh, what are we going to do? And I went home. And she herself looked for me. You don't know the devil. A pillar in the room caused her not to see me. So she also ran out. By then I had run, you know, gone into the car looking for her. And we missed each other. Do you see what the devil can do? She was looking for me. Say, hey. So this matter has reached her that Tijama will not even carry me in her car. She knows that I don't have a car. That's what the devil does to us. This was many years ago. So I don't take chances. I don't give him chance anymore. Not at all. And I will share with you one of the things that I have done to help me in this relationship, in this matter now. I already tell myself that this thing you did to me, Imaro. And people around me will be saying, what do you mean, Omaro? That person, oh, Pastor Polanyo, and say, no, 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 Omaro. And do you know when I convince myself, Nimaro, my heart is free, oh. Because I'm saying that God is taking us to another level in this matter. It's not just the physical reaction now, it is the external. What is happening inside my heart? And so many years, maybe two years ago, uh, mommy brought a woman here that preached on a modern Sunday, and she said something. That thing kept following me. She said, as you're seeing me, now actually many of you said that she's a good sister. She's a good sister. Sister is a good sister. Then as she would see that in her church, they say she's a good sister. And so somebody would step on her accidentally and say, I'm sorry. And she says, it's okay. It's okay. No problem. But inside your heart, you're saying, Now, the trouble with that is, I have grown to such a big sister that I'm able to contain myself from reacting, from taking something and hitting your leg very, very well, the way an unbeliever would do. I won't do that. But inside my heart. And maybe this is my new shoe that you came and stepped on like this. So, but for me now, and for all of us who claim we are born again, God is now judging us with what is in our heart. Though. That is the trouble. The one that nobody saw. How do I, when I tell you, oh, it's okay, ah, it's okay, it's okay. Before I, I, when I, about the time I was handing over a HOD, somebody offended me so badly. Somebody I worked close, closely with. Somebody I trusted. I didn't know what she was doing was stabbing me behind the back. She wanted my, my tenure to her so that she could, in fact, she didn't want my tenure to her so she could be HOD. Eventually, I did two tenures and I left and they made her HOD. But you know, evil is not a good thing. She was disgraced out of that office. 
within a few months. But when I came back, she realized there were two of us that she hurt. She went to the other woman, maybe because she's older, she's over 65, and went to kneel down in her house to beg her. But me, she refused to beg me, oh. You know God can set us in trouble. She refused to say anything. She was just acting normally. And I now started checking my heart. So when I see her and I greet her, I've greeted her, but I'm checking my heart. God, am I still angry with this person? God, am I angry with this person? Do you know that's where God is taking us to? On the surface, everybody will say, all is well. And let me even tell you, the fact that she was disgraced out of office, I was not supposed to rejoice so. I was not. I was still supposed to be guarding my own heart. You know, when we were uh, in Ibadan, some children acted a few and said, touch me by mistake and die by correction. I was not going to go about saying, you see, when I tell you people that I'm a child of God, that you should be careful in this place with me, I was checking my heart because I saw it in the Bible. We're going to get to that place very shortly. That when your enemy stumbles, don't rejoice so. Even those of us that use daily guide, a few weeks ago, last week we were reading where Babylon was um, um, uh, brutalizing the Israelites when they took them in captivity. And when they overdid it, God said, hey, so uh, it's tough to be a child of God. Uh, God said, so because I gave this one to your heart, it was God that gave them all. And now they behaved anyhow they were. And God said, hey, didn't you now know not to maltreat old women? Didn't you now know not to maltreat pregnant women? And he turned the judgment on us. So as I'm looking at that lady, that she hardly, she sneaks around in the apartment now. She can hardly come anywhere because of some of the things she did in the short few months she was there before she was taken away. I am being very careful and checking my heart and watching my heart not to go and begin to say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, it's not correct. And to quality, she's supposed to be a Christian sister. Praise the Lord. So that is for misunderstanding. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 5, 13 and 9 that you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, my brethren, what salt does is that it flavors food beautifully. Except you have a serious medical condition. I know that you, you won't be able to eat food that does not have salt. If God says you are the salt of the world, God is not talking to some people. God is talking to me. So as I'm relating with this, my brother, I am the salt in that relationship. I should be flavoring that relationship. <laughs> you don't understand. I should bring sweetness to that relationship. When I enter my home, I should be flavoring the house so much that everybody is happy that I'm there. Not as much. As, is it mommy? Ah, please, you run into your room and close the door. No. It is that you're looking forward to my being there. It is that you're happy because I am the source of the, of the relationship. In my office, eh, these people, they said we are unbelievers. Eh, they said this, they said that. You're, the, you're still the source. You bring flavor to that your office. With all the iniquity going on there. With all the atrocities there. And what, what is the, um, the other part of it? You are the light of the world. So in the relationship that I have, between my husband and I, I should be the light. Between my, the man should be the light. The woman should be the light. If both of us work with that consciousness, what will happen? The, the relationship will be illuminated. And it will blossom. It will flourish. It will thrive. That is a simple solution to all these issues that we're fighting about. That I am the salt. And Bible says when the salt has lost its saltiness, what else to do with it? Discard it. There is no thing to do with it anymore. So who is the salt in every relationship you're in? Now who is the salt? Who is the light? It's you that said it, so I didn't say. Praise the Lord. So then, if I begin to realize that that will work, then I can look at Second Corinthians 2 and 15, because it will also be true. And Second Corinthians 2.15 says, Our lives are a 
Christ-like fragrance. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance. I don't, you know that song we were singing. I just, I didn't have time. I wanted us to start looking at some of the, some of the words of that song again. You know, verse 2 says, My heart resigned, submissive and meek, my great Redeemer's throne, where only Christ is said to speak, where Jesus reigns alone. This is not true of many of us who are Christians. It is not only Christ that is reigning in our hearts. It's not only Christ that is said to speak. When I came across the words, speak amiss, it began to trouble me. So when I speak, I'm checking, have I spoken amiss? Have I spoken unadvisedly? You know the people that were asked that question in the Bible, why did you speak unadvisedly? Who advised you to speak like that? And for us women particularly who like to talk a lot, when you speak, are you speaking amiss? Are you speaking unadvisedly? Unadvisedly means that you spoke without advice. And whose advice are you supposed to have spoken with? The Holy Spirit. Anything that I see, I must say. You know my own, no. Anything that I say it the way it is. Is that what God told you to be doing? Praise the Lord. So, if I do that, my life can definitely not emit a fragrance. No aroma of Christ. NIV says, for we are to God. The pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. You know, when somebody wears a lovely fragrance and sits around you, you're very, very happy. You like the perfume. That's how our life should be emitting a fragrance. Should be emitting a, 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 an aroma of Christ. Honestly speaking. And we don't know where we'll be required to do that. I will tell you another little story. Sometime two years ago, I was going to Makadi for my, my very close friend's um, function. Brazubi knows the family. Our Reverend Zubi knows the family I'm talking about. When I got into a bus, I didn't know anybody in that bus from Adam. I didn't know anybody there. They, were leaving, they left Port Harcourt and they were supposed to pick me up. So we met them somewhere and entered the bus and we traveled together. By the time we got to Makadi, I just left them because I didn't know. I mean, I visited them, we traveled, we talked a little bit, we ate together. They had rice, they gave me, they gave me drink and all that. When we got to Makadi, I entered my my friend's house, the the people that I was coming for and I was um, relating with them. I didn't know that very short, that short relationship was going to do something. In that bus where I was sitting, there were two young girls. I didn't know who they were, but somehow I found myself sitting close to them. The two girls were the step, the step daughters of the man who was going to marry my friend. His wife had died and was marrying my friend. Now, these two girls, another friend of their father's, had married, remarried, you know, had a second marriage. And the children were having it rough with that woman. So they called these their friends and said, Thank God your father is married, no. I know you cannot stop your father, but I don't know. You should be careful. Don't come and be like us. What we're seeing with this woman, eh? Ah, I don't know. But do you know, so this once we are traveling to Makadi with fear, you understand? With trepidation. They didn't know who their father was going to marry. They've already been told that the ones that their father married their second person, there was trouble there. And this ones didn't know who I was. But afterwards, they said, Ah, that lady that entered the bus in Enugu is the friend of the person our father is marrying. That means the person our father is marrying cannot be that bad. Praise the Lord. I heard this story from two different sources. When my friend told me, another lady went to Portacourt to the man's office and they said the same thing. That the children were traveling to Portacourt with fear. Not small girls or adults. One of them is married and she has three children. But they were, their hearts were afraid. Who is their father bringing into their home? 
and I sat in the bus with them. I didn't know who they were. I, when they even said, I started looking, I didn't know what I did now. I just sat in the bus, traveling with people. And they made that comment. Praise the Lord. So everybody around me ought to smell Christ in, in me. You know, last week a brother told us when he was talking about marriage, about three words that are difficult to say. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I love you. We don't even say I love you again. We don't, we don't say it anymore. Not to our children, not to our spouses, not to our parents. And it's something everyone likes to hear. I'm sorry, forgive me. I wish we could learn to say those words. They, they, are, they are relationship markers. They signify a good relationship. I want to draw attention to some relationships in the Bible and then I'll be stopping. There are so many. I'm not going to talk about them. Moses and Aaron. Remember their relationship. Aaron and Miriam. Cain and Abel. Isaac and Rebekah. Jacob and Esau. David and Jonathan. Ruth and Naomi. Abraham and Sarah. Jesus and Judas. Remember that one. Jesus and his disciples. And then God and Israel. And God and you. What are some of the skills that I can, I can imbibe, I can cultivate to help my relationships? Respect. I can learn to respect everyone. My children have respect for me. I have respect from them. Everywhere I should respect people. I should be cheerful. Some of us, our faces are so cheerless. I don't know what has robbed off us of our joy. And the Bible says we should rejoice. And that's the command. That's always we should rejoice. Then I should be tolerant. That's for BS. I won't talk about that. We should be patient. We should endure. We should be honest. I should appreciate people. I should be content. And I should be, I should be able to forgive. Praise the Lord. And if I'm not able to do this, and I'm not able to communicate, and I'm not able to forgive, and there is deceit and malice, and I, I manifest bad character and bad behavior, my relationship will not do well. Praise the Lord. Why must I get to a point of deciding to work on my relationship? Because God says he cannot stand lukewarmness. If you're lukewarm, God says he will spew you out of his mouth. So it's either you're hot or you're cold. There is no in-between position. And then Psalm 34 verse 14b says that I should seek peace and pursue it. So I'm the one that will be pursuing peace. I have a duty to do. And but the word pursue doesn't mean work. It means run. I should run after peace. I should run after making everybody around me to be at peace with me. And Romans 12, 18 says to do all I can to live at peace with all men. So finally, 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 I talked about our external attitude and the internal you know, when I lost my car many years ago, I was watching my heart again. To be sure that I didn't begin to wish those two young boys evil. Till today, I've never wished them evil. I never found my car. But each time I thought about it, I just said, but these boys don't know any better. If they knew any better, they would not meet somebody like me in the night and use their gun and want to kill me because they are taking their car. So I was watching my heart to be sure. So I'm saying that whatever anybody does, I should guard my heart so that I do not begin to respond negatively. And I'll tell you a story again, and I'll finish. Many years ago, why don't you tell this story? Because we may not know the trap the enemy is setting with our relationships, setting many, many traps, and we don't know where we can get caught off guard, particularly if I resolve to be sticking out for my rights. My father was working in Lagos many years ago, and when he got to Lagos, they gave him a house that had a problem. The house they gave him was one that had a problem. It's a long story, so I can't get into that. So he, he left the house. Because at that time he was getting older. The family was not moving with him anymore. So he just stayed, just stayed in different places. One young man walking under him came and said, Oga, there is one flat where we are living. I don't know if you've been interested in that flat. My father said, yeah, why not? My family is not coming to Lagos. That, that should be okay. So he got the place. They allotted it to him and he moved in there. Do you know that one day he was sitting in the office? Another very junior person came into the office and said, excuse me, sir. Uh, 
they said they're looking for where they're going to do file. We want to keep all our files somewhere. And then somebody just said, that, that place you're staying, we want to put our files there. My father looked at the man like, are you out of your mind? But something just helped him. Where he was living is now where they have found to go and keep all the old files in the ministry. He said his key, the key to his house was there. So he took the key and gave to the man and said, yes, take the key. There's nobody in the house. Go. My little briefcase and my few clothes are in the master bedroom. Look around. Any room you want to take for your file room, feel free to take. If it is the big room you want, bring out my box and my shirt. Put on the table in the parlor. When I come back, I will take it. Take the key. The young man was dazed. He was confused. It was not the reaction they expected, they expected from those that sent him. So he started walking back. Walking back and staring at my father as if he saw a ghost. Until he opened the door and ran out. And nobody ever talked about that matter again. So we don't know where the enemy is going to arrange to get us because of our relationships. If he had screamed and said, how dare you? Who sent you? They said, yes, yes, yes. And they would have started making trouble with him. So as we begin to pray now, can you begin to ask the Lord for grace? The truth is that these things we are saying, you can't even do it except you receive the grace and the enablement of God. You can't do it. Most times when we are told to give our lives to Christ, we'll think it's um, just formality. I, I was, last week when we went for word evangelism, I was speaking to one lady, she said she was born again. She goes to church. I said that's not what makes you born again. Many of us are here, but we have not received the enablement. The word of God is the only thing that gives us the enablement to be able to handle our relationships in such a way that they will please God. If you don't have the identity of the kingdom, you cannot have the fragrance of the kingdom. You cannot have the aroma of Christ. You cannot have that which makes you a kingdom subject unless you have received the power to be the child of God. Are you a child of God here this morning? To what extent is your relationship with God so intimate that that which God wants you to do is what you're able to do? Or are you just thinking everything is okay with me? Are you here? You have really never given your life to Christ. Or perhaps you have. But you know yourself that your relationships are bad. This morning may be an opportunity for you to amend your way. May be an opportunity for you to surrender your life to Christ. So that he gives you the enablement to be able to live the way that he wants you to live. If there is a time when we need to check our life, it is now. There is too much happening in the land. There is danger everywhere. And we need to be sure that we are living our right. You are praying to surrender your life to Christ. And you are also praying, asking God, search my heart. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any way in me that does not walk according to your will. That does not walk according to the lifestyle of a child of God. And as you do that, grant me a forgiving heart and lead me in the path of life eternal. What is your relationship with others like? What is your relationship in your home? What is your relationship to fellow Christians and to those who don't love God? And to those who despitefully use you? And to those who curse you? And to those who abuse you? To those who hate you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, pray for those who despitefully use you, and even hate you and curse you. Can you ask God, give me a heart 
that can love. Lord, I open my heart. Change me. Forgive me. Let my inner heart reflect your own power. And you're here and you want the power of God that brings salvation to open your heart and your mind to the knowledge of Jesus. The scripture says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. It's when you accept Jesus, it will be possible for that love to spread across. If you haven't received him as your Lord and Savior, coming to church is wasting of time. It will harden you. You will be like the Pharisees. You have a lot of knowledge and they will block your view. This morning, you want a heart. Submissive, contrite, a heart that is like that of the master. That's what our hymn said in ancient and modern, where we sang, a heart that is freely given up unto God. AM325, I want the love of Jesus, and I want to know him as a person. I want to be able to be like him. If that's your desire this morning, please raise your hand where you are. I want Jesus to come into my heart. Change me. Remove the heart of stone. Give me the heart of flesh that can truly be like his. And offenses, hurts, and every form of misunderstanding will no longer get me triggered off. They will rather see in me the life and the love of Jesus. I want the power that Jesus gives to forgive and to impart his nature. If the Spirit of God draws you, then truly respond to Him. You cannot for any reason love, pray for those who persecute you, despitefully use you, curse you, malign you, except the love of Jesus has been implanted in you. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. You take a step of faith, and the Lord Himself does the rest of the work. Let's pray together with you. Are you owing heart? Are you owing unforgiveness? Are you owing a quarrel? Are you owing misunderstanding? Are you owing ego? Do you esteem yourself better than others? And therefore there is nothing good in them that can rub off on you. Ask the Lord this morning. I come to you and I empty myself and open up my heart. Forgive me and I yield unto you. That I may have the love of God shed abroad in my heart that will reach out to others. Excuse for them. And live with that of Jesus. Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Therefore, you are asking him by faith. To let the work he did for you on the cross of Calvary. Be made manifest in your life. By faith. That's why you are here. And with all your heart. Pray this prayer after me. And mean it. And let it be a depth of conviction in you. Lord Jesus. I thank you. You love me. You paid the price for my sins on the cross of Calvary. This morning, I come to you with all my past, with all my life, and I repent. I turn over to you. Lord, I'm sorry for the way I have lived, and I turn to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me the power to be your child. And Father in heaven, Grant me the grace to live for you from now onwards to the glory of your name.
In Jesus' name we pray. Almighty God, as many as receive you to them, you gave the power to be your children who were born, not of flesh, not of blood, not of the will of man, but by your power. Lord, I ask you, according to your counsel and the mystery that you wrote, which no man understands, no surgeon can ever explain, but you do it and change us a moment before we are in darkness, a moment before our heart is so hard, but Lord, as you touch us and make a difference in our heart, as we yield and open our hearts to Jesus knocking on our heart, Lord, you grant us that understanding and peace that comes of you. Father, may this change be the portion of your children now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the old things pass away. Let all things become new. Write their name in the book of life and grant them the conviction, the knowing, the confirmation by the Spirit that they are your children. And Lord, enable them by that same power to live for you. Live your lifestyle. Live with your heart and attitude and glorify you the rest of the lives that they live. Take all honor and keep them picking of you Sustained of you, living this life. In Jesus' name we pray. And for the rest of us, we're still praying. We're still praying. Is there a thing that you have needed to ask God to cleanse from you? How is your heart? How is your relationship? Have you justified yourself again and again? Have you rationalized why you should still keep hot in your heart? At this moment, if you know that God is looking at you and cannot find you owing only love to those who have wronged you, to those around you, and you want to come clean, it's not a matter of standing before the church. He knows your heart. We have talked about Psalm 139. Search me. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts and actions. And see the ways in me that have not behaved in the way of love. And forgive me. Lead me in the path of everlasting life. If you are in such. And there is an ought. That you need to ask God for forgiveness. In your relationship with others. That has hurt you. That has hurt others too. That has blocked your way with God. That has kept you. Even by biting. That has kept you in malice. Please just stand where you are. Just stand where you are. We want to pray a simple prayer. But if need. To identify with that which God is saying. Enough of carrying baggages. Enough of carrying the malice. First Peter chapter 2 verse 1 saying, Therefore, lay aside all malice, all envies, all jealousy, all evil speaking. Lay them aside. All hatred, all unforgiveness. Lay aside. And you are still carrying them as baggage. You have spiritualized them. Your relationship is distorted. It doesn't flow around. The love of God shed abroad in your heart is bound in again. Can you stand where you are? And let us go to the throne of grace and receive again the melting point, the drawing unto him that his grace may flow in our life. That's a point to your being freed. That's a step. You are receiving the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's a step to no longer playing religion. 
but asking the Lord to have his way in you and truly let his love manifest. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, as we stand, Lord, we stand before you and open our hearts and say, Lord, forgive us. In every of the areas we have hidden hearts, we have kept malice, we have kept unforgiveness, hatred has brooded. Lord, with our evil speaking, and in any manner in which our hearts have gone off mark, off color, and Father, had even been hardened, had even become to the point of being reprobate, an account of hearts, this morning, O oh God, we open up again. We yield it to the Lord that has found us, and He shed our blood in our heart, and we ask you, Father, forgive us in the name of Jesus. Sprinkle that water of your love again on our heart, clear and fresh in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord Almighty, as our song said, make us submissive, contrite. Lord, make us obedient, willing, loving, a heart like thine that we desire. And let our lives turn, let joy come in again, and let forgiveness, love spread abroad. As you put us back on the path of right relationship with you and with others in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you Lord Almighty for a heart set free to save you. A heart set free and a conscience void of offense towards you and towards man. In Jesus name we pray. Lord as we pray for ourselves standing, we pray for the rest of us as a body of church sitting down. Father, let your love so freely shed abroad in our heart. Flow in the name of Jesus Christ. Grant us that attitude to love those who are enemies. Even if they are already pronounced. Lord, to bless those who hate us. Lord, to pray for those who despise us. Who see no good in us. To do good to all men. With a heart free of us. And Lord, with a blood of love shed abroad in our heart that we may be like our father who is in heaven owing no man anything but to love and to love again and let your grace make manifest in our life and break through boundaries and break through situations and grant us grace to truly love as you have loved us and make manifest your fragrance thank you as you do it in our lives in our families in our husband and wife relationship in our father and mother relationship, in our spouse relationship, in our relationship as children and father and parents, in our relationship with others around us. Lord, may that turn around be evidence from today. Let the sweet aroma of a relationship that is free with you and free and full of love with others be made manifest from today to the glory of your name. And if you stood up, in the course of this prayer, and you have an ought against somebody, today, go make peace with the person. If the person is at a distance, call the person on phone. If you can't get, send a text. Have no account again of evil, and let your heart be free, and set free of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.